0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Randy Couture. If you're out there looking for a great sports podcast, go check out Big Mouth Small Words. What up, guys? It's is Austin and I just want to give a shout-out to the Big Mouth Small Words podcast in Boston. Thank you guys for your dedication and support. Go Pats. Hey, it's Big Jim from 98.5 The Sports Hub, and I love listening to Big Mouth Small Words. Check them out at Big Mouth Small Words podcast. Big Mouth Small Words sports talk. We back, baby. Another episode. Let's go. What happened to me? Riddled. People have no idea Self-doubt. how much pain he's in physically. What he was willing to sacrifice. Father Tom catches all of us. So when is the time? I sometimes wonder if he knows. is near, but it's hard to do. Remember who the f- you are. My knees in the ring are numbered. I'm gonna go out with a match. The fitting, the undertaker, that's what separates. Being good and great being a legend. sir. Welcome once again to the most must hear of all sports podcasts. (laughs) Big mouth, small words. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you guys. I wanted to, from the last uh, episode, I had said that I wanted to talk about the Undertaker documentary because I had done one for part one, part two, and then I kind of tapered it off because I wanted to watch it. I wanted to see all five episodes and I wanted to wait a week to really tell you guys what I think and where I'm coming from with it. So I watched all of the episodes, and I'll start it off by saying this. I'm 31 years old, and I've been watching wrestling my entire life, and I remember being in school like it could have been elementary or middle or whenever I got super, super into wrestling, but it was the height of wrestling. And it was like the Monday night wars with WCW world championship wrestling. And then WWF. And that's right. It was the WWF <laughs> because they were in a fight with the world's wildlife foundation over getting it. That's why they turned into WWE. And God, do I feel old right now saying all of this, but it's true. And, uh, You know, like WCW had Goldberg, NWO, which was sweeping the nation. Still, like, one of the greatest factions that's ever existed in wrestling. You had Sting, Ric Flair. You had a lot of talent over there. And the WWF had, like, Stone Cold, The Rock, DX. There were so many amazing superstars I could go on legitimately forever. Jericho. Got to say Jericho. He was on both. (laughs) But um, with everyone that was around, And even from like a super young age, I always was enamored by The Undertaker. His entrance, even to this day, is just second to none. Like, you hear that bell, even in the intro that I played, and it's like immediate chills. It's immediate goosebumps. It's the best. Like, hands down the best character in wrestling, period. And I don't even know how you could debate it. But now The Undertaker, you know, he said for years, he's done with wrestling. And then every WrestleMania comes around, and there he is. <laughs> like every time, no matter what, like he's the one constant. For wrestling fans, legitimately, you could always rely on the fact that you're going to see The Undertaker at least once a year. And when I heard about the documentary series, I was kind of skeptical. You know, at first, you're thinking this is going to be a setup. And he's going to do some sort of match with some sort of special character. And uh, especially when you watch episodes one and two, you see him going through what he does physically. And you really, like, you feel for him. You want to say to him, like, dude, you got nothing to prove. Just hang it up. And you see him going through his hip surgery. They really show you a lot of stuff. And all the injuries that he's fought through over the years, and you can see the the toll that it's taking. You can see that all of those injuries are catching up to him and his age. And at points, it is hard to watch. And it for sure really does make you want to see The Undertaker retire. But at the same time, like the fan in you will always want to hear that bell sound. And know that he's coming down. Even if he just comes out for an entrance, he doesn't even have to fight anymore, honestly. But it's the same for him. Like, imagine being something for 30 years and then being told that you have to be something else now. I mean, I'm only 31. So, like, he's lived my whole lifetime as a character. It's hard enough to be yourself these days. This dude lived as a character and suppressed who he was as a person for years and that's so crazy to think like that's so mind-boggling that to be someone else for that amount of time and so this documentary started in 2017 because they thought that he was going to retire after that mania match he was against roman reigns and i was there it was in Orlando it was my first WrestleMania because I heard that there were rumors that the undertaker was going to retire. And I said, I got to be there no matter what I have to go. So I go there with my wife, Abby and we're fired up and he fights Roman Reigns. And it's a, it's a, the match was pretty okay. It wasn't amazing. I understand why he didn't feel like he wanted to retire after that. But the, the only thing is that that kind of sucks about it is at the end of the match, he loses and he just, like, slowly sits up. And he there was just this moment where he's looking at the crowd. And he's breaking his character. Like, he takes off his coat and his hat. And he rests it in the middle of the ring. And that would have been just, that. that's a great ending. Like, not that he lost to Roman. But that's the way that it is in the wrestling business. You always give back to the business. You never go out on top. But, yeah, that I will always remember him putting all of his stuff in the ring and seeing him cry and seeing him go over to his wife, Michelle McCool, and give her a kiss and break character for like the first time ever. And he walked out and he threw his hand up. And I'm telling you, I've never seen so many grown men cry (laughs) in my entire life. I was a little teary-eyed too, I'm not going to lie. It was just a moment where everyone kind of looked at each other and went, that's it. Uh, We're never going to see The Undertaker again, which is the worst. But that's what you really thought. So to give you backstory there. um, So that was 2017. And you thought it was over after that. The documentary ended in 2020. (laughs) So, you know, you, you can see how, like, you really, when you're watching this documentary, you get to see him battle himself for nearly four years with this decision to end his career. Like, he needs the perfect moment or how am I going to do this or how am I going to like, it's, it's so crazy. You, you move along in the documentary and as each episode goes, you start to see a change in Mark. And by the way, cause I'm of course, Mark Calloway is the undertaker. <laughs> so that's his real name. So I got to let you guys know that you see in episodes one and two, he's legit just the undertaker. He doesn't refer to himself as Mark or anything. Episode three, you start to see Mark be himself and open up a little bit. And by episodes four and five, he's really himself. And he's come to the realization that he's no longer The Undertaker. And it's truly like something special to watch happen. You know, Mark went through so much to keep his legacy to actually mean something And he went out there every single night and he gave everything that he had, no matter how he felt, no matter what was going on personally in his life. Once the bell hit, he delivered no matter what. I've never seen one man get so much praise by so many top wrestlers. I mean, all the legends. Ric Flair saying that he's the best. You know, Batista was talking about him. Cena said the bar is here, the bar is The Undertaker, and then there's everybody else. And you feel it. Like, you you listen to all these guys, and you're like, wow. Like, this dude really was. Like, he held the WWE together for 30 years. What a weight that is. On your, on your soul, on your being, like to have to be that guy at all times. And like you see really, because I'm going to be a little all over the place here, but you see his relationship with Vince McMahon and it's like Vince McMahon cannot go to The Undertaker and not cry. Every time he sees him, they hug and Vince like immediately cries because... During the whole, and I'm sorry, I gotta, I gotta tell you. So during, I, I had brought up in the beginning of the WCW and the WWF, the Battle of the Monday Night Wars. That started because the top guys from WWF jumped ship. They left. They went to WCW. That was run by Ted Turner at the time, and they had Warner Broadcast, so they had infinite amount of money and they were just writing out contracts. Like They hit up Scott Hall, and they were like, I can guarantee you money. And by, at that time in the business, there was no such thing as guaranteed contracts for wrestlers. I mean, Vince was kind of just trying to get by, and then all of a sudden, this dude comes out of nowhere and goes, hey, I'm going to give you all this money. And I mean, hey, how are you not going to take that? So Scott Hall says, I'll take it. And then Kevin Nash was his partner, and he goes, mm. and he was Diesel at the time. And they were too, like, Scott Hall was Razor Ramon, and Kevin Nash was Diesel, and they were like two of the biggest stars that the WWF had, and they both just left. They, they took the contracts that they kind of had to take, but like Hogan jumped ship. Everybody jumped ship, dude. Bret Hart, all the top guys. And the one person that Vince knew he never had to worry about was The Undertaker. He would have never, ever left him. And I think that that amount of loyalty is just something that, like, he's Vince has never had from another person. And it's, I mean, The Undertaker tells you so many stories about when The Undertaker was going through personal things and Vince sat him down and he said, uh, it's something along the lines of, like, stop feeling sorry for yourself. The Undertaker's like, dude, <laughs> he says, I would have beat the crap out of any other person in the world. But because it was Vince that said it, he said, you know what? He's right. And, and he did it. But, like, I'll tell you something right now. They do not make guys like like Mark Calloway anymore in this day and age. Not with this culture. Not, I mean, he was just a tough SOB that would just go out there with a broken foot, a broken orbital. Man, when you start hearing all these stories from all these other wrestlers like Mick Foley, Mankind, saying, yeah, no, T- Undertaker had a broken orbital and a broken right foot in the Hell in a Cell match, and then you see him climb in a cell, you're like, you get bro- dude, right now, I have a broken foot, <laughs> and I have a cast on, and I'm a... Dude, I, I felt like such like a bitch <laughs> when I was listening to this Undertaker story because I'm like, this dude was climbing 20-foot, like a 20-foot Hell in a Cell uh, structure. He's jumping off of it. He's doing all these things with a broken foot. I'm thinking in my head, how the hell is he, like, tolerating that pain? Not only just tolerating that pain, but showing you nothing because his character is a dude that's, like, a dead guy. So he's giving you nothing, and he has a broken freaking foot. It's just crazy. And and the only thing more impressive... Then how tough The Undertaker was and what he was willing to put in is his wife and what she dealt with and what she lived with. I mean, she knew what a supportive person. Like, she really was 100% for him and she was there through everything. I mean, she, she used to be a wrestler back in the day, for those who don't know, and she was You know, she was a champion and she was really good. And I guess The Undertaker said that when he met her, the moment he knew he was going to be with her was uh, she could throw a football. Like, she was good at football. She threw, like, a 30-yard spiral. And he was like, that was the moment I knew. And it's it's crazy, man, because, like, you watch the undertaker when he was dealing with her and when he was talking about her and he just looks like a normal old guy <laughs> like there's no mystique there's no the phenom there's just like oh he looks like a normal dad that like does normal things and it's just funny it's it's weird but uh it's it's really cool to watch man like but she was there for him in any way i mean when he went to go to have surgery any decision that he was going to make she was like listen i just want you to be okay with whatever it is She knew that he had to do it. She knew that if it was in his head, that he would just stay in his own head. And even if he chose to leave, if he didn't leave the right way, he would have never gotten his own mind. He would have never gotten out of his own mind, is what I mean. And I feel that. I get that. There are certain things in my life that I had to do. And I think back to it, and you can't, dude, regret... You cannot have it. Regret is not something that you can live with, man. Not me. And I I get it, man. When he, in, in episode four, when he had the match with him and Kane and The Undertaker, it was The Undertaker and Kane versus Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels was, like, too old to do anything. Kane was the mayor <laughs> of Knoxville. And, uh... The Undertaker was, you know, old and and hurt. And Triple H was the only one that could really, like, do something in the match. And in the first minute, he tore his pec completely off. Like, he just tore it. And Shawn Michaels, that realization of, like, he's like, dude, you're going to have to do everything. And Shawn's like, are you kidding me? You were going to carry me the whole time. And watching that match was so sad because, you know, as a... As a fan, you hear Degeneration X versus the Brothers of Destruction. You're like, holy crap. Like, this is like a, even though I'm not watching it like Monday Night Raw every Monday, I'll tune into that just because of the nostalgia. But man, when you, when the nostalgia looks like that, it's sad. And that was a lot of the reason why he kept coming back, you know? Like, there were so many things in this documentary. I'm not going to give you everything, I'm not going to tell you every single moment but i will tell you that it is it was good it was really good and being able to see the undertaker at the end say to you hey i just want to show like the fans how much that i put into this and how much i wanted to be the guy and and give them what they gave me And you really, like, I can't, I keep saying it, but to see a guy who is so dead set on I am not leaving and I'm staying and then to see him just a few years later, like, caring about his family. And actually, this is the last thing I'll I'll throw into this. Just to show what a guy this dude is. He is going to have his last match with AJ Styles, which is 2020, which is this year. And obviously, he's thinking there's going to be 80,000 people. It's going to be the biggest wrestling event. He's going to have his one last match with AJ Styles. He's going to be done. Coronavirus hits. WWE has to think on the fly, like, well, what are we going to do? I guess we'll do a boneyard match. Triple H says, okay, cool, because he's Triple H is the one that's actually running the show. Well, he goes, what's a boneyard match? The Undertaker goes, I don't know. (laughs) It's hilarious to hear these things where he goes, I don't know what it is, but you got to figure it out. So they go to this random place uh, in Florida that's in a residential area, and it, they just dress it up, and it's on an acre of land, and they dress it up, and they're like, all right, we're going to have this match. So they go through like what they're going to do. As they're leaving, so the next night they're filming for WrestleMania, and as they're leaving, he gets a call from his his niece, the Undertaker, Mark, and she's like, "I just want to let you know, like my dad is had a heart attack." And Undertaker's like, "Oh, my!" So that's his brother. And he's like, "Well, what, um, what hospital is he in? Like, I'll I'll just take a quick flight up there and I'll I'll go visit him." She's like, "You don't understand. Like, he didn't make it." just seeing the undertaker seeing mark calloway like those were the moments where you really saw him be himself and be devastated and you know he like your brother dies and you can't you have to call all your family members you have to tell them what happened and then you're still you have a match the next night and not only do you have a match but like and they don't even talk about this but like There's a casket, like all it's his whole persona is, is around death, like the graveyard and all that. And like your brother just died and you can't be there for your family. And you got to have this match. Not many people do that. Not many people make that sacrifice and, and choose to be the character in that situation. And listening to him, I think that was a big wake up call where he was like, dude, you just never know. He said that Kobe Bryant, his death uh, was huge to him because he's like, you just never know when your number's gonna be called, and that's true. And you know, we, we all, as generally for most of us, you know that, but you don't think about it on a regular basis because life is easy to just move. Like you go to work, you come home, you get into a, I don't wanna say you're comfortable, but you get into a routine, and you keep doing your routine. And then a couple of years go by, you look at a picture and you go, what? Holy crap. Like this happened, that happened. And then, you know, as soon as there's a death, you you really look at life and you're like, oh my God, like this is this is what you got. You don't get time back. Time is not something... That you get to have back So you have to make sure that you listen to big mouth small words all the time So that you can feel better and your life can be fulfilled (laughs) No just But it is seriously like in all seriousness Like this is what you got And it is so crazy to see his realization of like I need to be here for my family I need to put into my family What I've put into this wrestling business for the last 30 years And I'm glad he thinks that way And I hope he is done and just to rant really quickly on it, so A, go see the go watch the documentary. It's on the WWE Network uh part one, two, three, four, and five. It's very good. You're gonna like it. But B, they did a thing, WWE, this is a quick rant, and they did a thank you taker thing on SmackDown, which was on Friday. And they're like, Oh yeah, Ric Flair, Batista, Cena, all these things, like they're going to be on tonight. And then they just replayed the things that were in the documentary. So I'm thinking the whole time as a fan, cause I'm stupid. I'm like, Oh, well, you know what? I'll watch it. I'll hit up like a few people and let them know, like, you know, cause Situ would want to see it. So I'm like, yeah, Situ, to just check it out. And then they have these stupid matches that have nothing to do with anything. And then you have like people just saying things that you've already heard. And then at the end of the night, you know, it's like Jeff Hardy versus some idiot. And you don't care what's happening. And then, like, they're all like, oh, thank you, taker. And I'm like, what? What? Like, listen, the documentary was fantastic, but, like, why even have a thank you taker night like that? He gives you 30 years, he busts his ass the whole time, and then that's your stupid, sorry ass thing that you're going to give to him. That's a joke. You should wait until there's fans that can be back when coronavirus is done and then you put him in the middle of that ring and you let people chant, thank you, Taker, for two freaking hours. That's what he deserves. That's what sh- what he should get. So there you go. <laughs> That's the uh, documentary, The Last Ride, The Undertaker. You get to meet the man, Mark Calloway. It's really good. Check it out. Watch it. Now, I'm going to tell you guys this. There is a man, Colin Coward, and I hate him. I'm almost under the impression that he is just saying stupid things to say stupid things. He is like clickbait supreme. I've seen a couple of the things that he has posted lately. If you're following me on Instagram, at Big Mouth Small Words Podcast, then you understand like how I feel <laughs> about him And how stupid some of the things that he's actually been saying are. Like, just to give you an example, he had a list of these are the top five quarterbacks arm talent wise. So he's just talking about arm talent here, okay? And when he goes over his list, Patrick Mahomes is not even in the top five. Patrick Mahomes. The guy... Who can throw over a stadium? The guy who can run and no look past a guy. It, like, he's not top five, but Jared Goff is? Jared Goff. I'd be willing to bet that if you had Jared Goff and you had Patrick Mahomes and they were seeing who could throw farther, Mahomes gonna throw farther. He's gonna probably beat him in accuracy. He's probably gonna beat him in everything. So, I don't get it. I hate it. And I'm not going to go over this the whole time now. I'm actually going to end the podcast now because I got things I gots to do. But I wanted to do the Undertaker thing. I wanted to give you a little snippet of stupid Colin Coward because let me tell you something, Colin. I'm coming back for your next episode and I am going to be very, very aggressive and very angry because you're stupid and I hate you. I would love at some point to talk to you and get it going with you because I don't understand how you have a job other than clickbait. That's the only thing I can think of. So get ready for the beatdown, because it's coming. Trust me. Believe me. Also, get ready for me to have a guest. I'm have my buddy Chris Miller on. We're going to talk hockey, because hockey needs to be talked about, especially after that that draft lottery debacle. Sure, we're going to talk about that. There's a lot that we're going to get going, that we're going to get into. But for now, thank you, everyone. For all the support The podcast is growing We're at 6,000 streams I have to up that though By the end of next month I gotta be over 10,000 Or else I'm not doing it right (laughs) So let's keep going If you haven't already Go to Bigmouthsmallwords.com Check that out Like the YouTube Like the Instagram I have so much coming Get ready for Fight Island 2 A lot of contests Everybody, I love you. Stay safe.